Hi, everybody. It's often said that leadership isn't defined by a title, but rather it's about earning the trust and respect of others. Not because you're in charge of your people, but because you're taking care of those people in your charge. Today, I am so honored and excited to feature an exceptional leader who's influenced at J&J for almost 35 years, embodies every quality associated with inspirational leadership, Anu Hans. She epitomizes leadership excellence, especially in providing visionary guidance and empowering teams to reach their fullest potential. Anu's been recognized as a seasoned supply chain leader in healthcare industry. She's worked as a pharmaceutical scientist, business unit leader, and chief procurement officer. Anu brings a unique perspective on collaboration and transformational change. Explaining why she's such a frequent speaker at many conferences, such as Gartner's Supply Chain Executive Conference. Anu was most recently recognized at HBA's Luminary and received accolades from Achieving Women's Excellence in Supply Chain Management. Often referred to as awesome, need I say more to describe this remarkable woman? So Anu, first having the privilege of working with you and your teams for so many years, I wanted to ask you a few questions. Sure. I'll start with this. Reflecting on all your accomplishments, what are you most proud of achieving during your time at J&J? So thank you, Roz, for the kind introduction. Roz, I have to say, I'm very fortunate to have an amazing 35-year career in the healthcare industry across many functions, R&D, quality, supply chain, and procurement. It's been an incredible journey. What I'm most proud of is the impact on people helping people achieve their personal best, whether it is through cheering them on, through mentorship, through sponsorship, and also recruiting and developing top talent. After all, great people make great companies. You know, it's really interesting when I was sharing with some people from J&J that I was going to have the privilege of interviewing you. You have a fan club and people just don't know how to say how great you've been and how you've made a difference. So I just wanted to let you know that. How about sharing some key moments or decisions in your career that were pivotal in shaping your leadership style and approach? Or maybe I should ask your fan club, but first I want to ask you. (laughs) It's a two-way street, right? The fan club. So leadership to me is an evolving journey. And I still continue to shape my leadership style and approach. I would say a pivotal point for me was early in my career when I was a laboratory manager and I was approached by a senior leader to take on a leadership role managing a seasoned group of engineers and to refresh our validation strategy. I am not an engineer by training nor am I an expert in the field, but I decided to take on that risk and that new role. And I would say it was pivotal in shaping my leadership style because I learned leadership skills are easily transferable across functions. And as long as you're inherently curious and a quick study, 
you can learn enough about the new space to make an impact. And it's also very, very important to invest in developing a team that you can lean on. How did you handle as a female at that time coming into working with engineers? Was that a challenge for you? I'm thinking at that time, being a female with engineers was probably not very commonplace. It is a challenge. I would say at that point in time, there were not a lot of women leaders and not a lot of women leaders who were leading engineers. So my approach was to not focus on the differences, but really focus on what's important and what we were driving. And that really helped me integrate in that space and earn the respect and trust of the team. I love the fact that you're showcasing an attitude of of curiosity and respect as opposed to we sometimes come into leadership being judgmental, not even realizing it, which takes me to my next question. I know that diversity, equity, and inclusion is a passion for you. How have you actively promoted these values within J&J as well as externally, where I know you're a great champion of this? No, D&I is a very important space for me, and I'm committed to help in any way I can to move the needle. Because simply put, diverse teams deliver better business results. The creativity, the innovation, the problem solving, the flow of ideas is just better. So I started getting involved in the Women's Leadership Initiative internally at work, focused on driving gender equity. And externally, I'm very engaged with HBA, which is the Healthcare Business Women's Association, awesome DCAD Women's Network. Those are definitely acronyms (laughs) we have to learn more about. Um, And then I got involved with the ERGs internally in the company, focused on South Asian professionals, etc. You know, I continue to look for where there are opportunities that I can help. A good example of that is when I was in procurement, I realized that women in procurement face unique challenges because their role is very externally focused. So I helped co-found PWLI which is Procurement Women's Leadership Initiative to help women specifically in procurement be successful. Then I also sponsor Discover, which is how do we drive diversity or enhance diversity in supply chain across industries. So I'm always looking for opportunities to help shape and move the needle where I can. This is going to embarrass you, but I have to ask you this question. I know for a fact, as proof from interviewing people prior to this podcast, people love working with you. And I really want to know what your secret sauce is for building and leading successful teams. You're making it seem so easy, but it's not easy. I coach a lot of executives. And one of the biggest challenges is to build followership. What do you do? That's a good question, Ross. Um, I do believe that successful teams are really based on respect and trust for each other and really aligned on a shared vision. 
for me, it's great to see a diverse group of people come together and become like a well-oiled, high-performing machine. So it's, it really starts with creating a vision and a path forward and investing time to understand each other and harnessing the unique superpowers that each individual brings to the team. And I would say it's also having each other's backs and celebrating successes. So it's a formula that I've been able to recreate multiple times throughout my career. And you, I really like the way you've formulated success moving forward. Thank you, Ross. Trust is so fragile. How were you able to maintain building trust into your many teams over the years? So for me, in order to build trust, it's really important to be vulnerable, Mm, to really show where your strengths lie and where you are continuing to grow as a leader. You can continue to build trust. I also believe that everyone brings something unique to the table. So depending on each other's strengths is important because as a wise person once said, None of us is as smart as the all of us. And it takes all of us to move forward as a team. Could you discuss your approach to embracing failure, setbacks during your career? And and what did you do to bounce back and persevere? Yeah, I'd say we all have a fair share of bumps along our career journey. One example that I can think of is when we were trying to gain full visibility of our supply chain using a digital approach. So we invested a lot of time, energy, and money into developing that visibility. But at that point in time, the information was just too fragmented. We were unsuccessful in our attempt, but then it provided many lessons learned for us And it really served as a precursor for the things to follow. So knowing, I would say, knowing when to stop, when to be introspective, and to learn from our mistakes, and being open and humble about those mistakes is what helped me and the team to bounce back. Have you personally ever felt that you had a setback in your career? Yes, a few times. So I would say there was a time I had set my eyes on a specific role and I thought it would be the perfect next step for me. And I did not get that role. Needless to say, I was quite disappointed. And initially, it took me a little while to get over the disappointment But then I took that on as a learning experience. I reached out to really understand what could I have done better to prepare myself for the role? Was I the best fit for the role? And what other opportunities I could follow to get to my end game, not specifically through that role? And then to have people I could reach out to to get feedback and mentorship to be successful. Could you give us some tips on seeking out the right kind of feedback 
or how to build sponsorship, maybe both questions, because sometimes we're not able to get feedback that we really need. Is it because we don't know how to ask for it? Is it that we're doing something that's overlooking the right way of getting it? Because feedback is so essential. Yeah, feedback is absolutely critical, right? So what I believe or personally do, it's important to have your own board of directors, people who you can go to to get input, and they can come from multiple disciplines. But first of all, you have to prepare yourself to receive feedback. Like you just pointed out, Roz, feedback is a gift. And we have to be open to receiving it, not be defensive. Yeah, so it's be open and listen to understand and absorb and not listen to respond back. And taking that feedback internally. And and then I guess going back to folks and seeing if they see progress. Could I go back to your suggestion about a board of directors? And it's something that I often share with within workshops that you need to have a board. Who would be some people that would sit on your board? Not the name specifically, but what would they be doing? Where would they be coming from? Are they internal or are they external? I would say my board of directors is both internal and external. So internally, I look for the 360. So people that I go to is folks that I would consider are my sponsors in the company. Some of my peers who I have a lot of admiration for, and also young talent who have a different perspective to life and work. And then externally, I reach out to colleagues in the industry as well as family members. I know my sisters give it to me straight up. So they're part of my board of directors as well. So what you're saying to me, you need to have people that are going to be truth tellers. Is that right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And I think it's important too that you reevaluate your board over the years. It may be at the time they came on your board, they had greater value. It could be sometimes you even outgrow board members. Does that resonate with you? It resonates. So every year, we I do my year-end goals and objectives, not only professionally, but personally as well. And part of that is looking at your network and your board of directors and seeing how do you continue to evolve and change. Because as you evolve and change, so does your board of directors and your network. Another question for you. I could ask questions all day. Your wisdom is overwhelming me. How have you balanced professional ambition with personal well-being? I would say there is no perfect balance between life and work, but rather it is work and life integration. For me, it is very important to prioritize what's important to me. So for example, Doing a good job and spending time with my family was what was most important to me. So what I tried to do is outsource everything else I could, such as cleaning, gardening, and even cooking at times. I also decided not to be very demanding of myself and ask for help. So I would have uh, 
my neighbors help with taking my son to basketball practice. And I do believe it's also very important focusing on your own health and wellness. And for me, it was taking long walks, meditation, you know, having a gratitude journal. I always remind everyone that you can do everything, but not all at the same time. And that's really what helps balance life and work. I'm going to put that on my wall (laughs) because I can get caught up in over-perfectionistic habits where you never get satisfied. I love what you're saying is, you know, be kind to yourself and also not to be afraid to ask for help and delegate. And I love the idea of not having to cook. But aside from that... No, it really makes sense. And I feel that your life has really brought you to this point where you deserve to share your wisdom and and insights because we get so caught up in speed and change and our own self expectations where we don't allow ourselves to be satisfied. I remember over the years, and you always, when I'm on the phone with you, any time of day, you always made time for me. You always had a demeanor of being relaxed and truly interested for even the shortest period of time. I always knew you were in the present. And I just wanted to share that with you because it meant the world to me. Reflecting on your journey, reflecting on, where you've come from, where you are today. What advice would you offer to younger people, especially aspiring leaders, to achieve success beyond their own expectations? I would say, let's see, I I can start with my top four. Um, The first one is you have to treat your career as a long game of chess and not a game of checkers, right? So know your end game and be very thoughtful on the roles you take on. Secondly, I would say build a broad-based experience early on in your career and then also declare your major. It's very important to know your swim lane because that helps you with your progression. Thirdly, I would say it's important to have a strong network that's both wide and deep that you can lean on. But you have to make sure that the connections are authentic. And lastly, I would say, you know, step out of your sandbox. Find the things that ignite your passion, whether it be DNI, whether it be sustainability or community, you know, and get engaged with that. So find that one thing or two things that are outside your core job and help drive your passion in that space as well. I knew each one could be a podcast. I, I want to go back to networking. A lot of times people think LinkedIn is suffice in terms of a network, or I just see it as, you know, contacts. It doesn't mean you have any kind of relationship. How do you network within J&J to set yourself up for future opportunities? What have you done? I would say in our company, everyone's door is always open to sit down and have a conversation. So for me, what has really worked is just connecting with people before and after meetings, 
or reaching out to people to have lunch with them, to really understand their space, as well as there are many opportunities that allow people to build connections through the ERGs that we have, through um, a lot of other areas that JNJ focuses on through the creative. But the relationships have to be authentic, right? It's not really, I want to network because. It's because I find things interesting that I want to connect with you and really take it from there. Did you ever worry that you may be imposing on the time of a very busy executive when you began networking with NJ and J? I think networking is a two-way street. And it has to be focused not only what I need or want, but what also you can offer the individual you're connecting with. How can you help? How can you support? And sometimes for a lot of executives, getting real feedback is something that they do value. Getting a perspective from a different point of view helps them. Anu, would you think it's important if someone's giving you feedback to get back to them and let them know how it made a difference to you? Is that a strategy you've used? Yes. I think it's very important to let folks know how they helped in a small or a big way, your thinking, your career, your direction. It's like saying thank you. Anu, here's another question. What is the difference between mentorship and sponsorship? You know, so for me, there's a big difference between mentorship and sponsorship. You can reach out to people and ask them to be your mentors. You cannot do the same and reach out to people and ask them to be your sponsors. Because for them to be your sponsors, they have to see you in action they have to be able to push for you behind closed doors. So I would say it is important to really do all the right things and shine that you can attract sponsors who can help you in your career journey. And you can reach out to people you admire and respect to be your mentors. And you need a combination of both mentors and sponsors to build a successful career. Would you say that it is appropriate or not to ask someone to be your sponsor? I, I think mentors can become sponsors as they continue to see you in action. Mm-hmm. I can give you a good example. There was a person I was mentoring, and the more I saw her in action, I realized the incredible talent she had. And... And I became from a mentor to her sponsor and really championed for her behind closed doors. So it makes a difference when you build that relationship, that sense of trust, and that you're able to showcase your value to your mentor. All right. I know that a lot of people ask me at Jane Jane, you know, how do I build sponsorship? I like what you're saying so much is initiate it in first through mentors before or rather than going to someone and say be my sponsor and i would say perhaps even picking up a project in their space or doing a grow assignment really being able to have your sponsor see you in action and deliver results makes a difference 
Thank you. Anu, have you ever taken on new positions where you were uncertain if you were going to be successful? I mean, it takes a lot of courage to move from one to another where it may be something that you're not familiar with, an area that you haven't yet really mastered. How do you do something like that? A lot of people get comfortable. I know I'm comfortable doing what I do. How did you shift I would say, you know, for me, always learning new things is what excites me. And perhaps it's a little bit of my upbringing growing up. um, You know, we moved around so many times and I had to learn very, very quickly how to adapt to a new environment. And I thrive on change, right? I thrive on being able to learn a new space. Like I said earlier, a lot of the skill sets are transferable. So I've been able to move from many different roles, from a scientist to managing engineers, to procurement, to plan, source, make, deliver in the supply chain space. And I think what's amazing about you is you're so matter of fact about the different directions you've taken, but it's, it's all led to such a successful career and I do not work with J&J, although I feel that I'm part of it because I've been working with J&J for probably 30 years. You're leaving a legacy. There's no question about it. And I know I speak for so many. You will be so, so missed. As you transition to a new phase, what do you want people to say about you? What's the legacy that will give you the sense of fulfillment that you so deserve? Rose, I would simply put it in one sentence is just to know that I made a small difference for both the company and the people I interacted with. Well, I only have one word for that, which is wow. (laughs) I, I know that your lessons that you shared with people, the way you have given from your heart will be lasting forever. I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be part of this podcast. And I hope that we continue to stay in touch. I know that many people will be looking for you in some way because you not only have created a legacy, it's going to be a lasting one. Thank you so much. And I wish you much continued success and joy and significance in your life. Thank you so much, Roz, and I look forward to staying connected and still trying to make an impact. If you wish to listen to our past episodes or more information on the Asheroff Institute, please visit asheroff.com. I wish you a wonderful rest of your day.